Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, we've been all summer long, and we're going to continue going through August uh, with the book of 1 and 2 Timothy. And uh, man, I think it's been a great series so far. And today, as, I, I, as I've been studying this week, it's, it's, it's just always seems to be timely message. I don't know about you, but it seems like every week, I, I, I don't think I could have planned these messages out any better. But today it talks about the power of purity, the power of finding strength in purifying yourself for God and growing close to him through, through purity and strength. And so um, if you're trying to grow with God, and the very first step to purity is always what? Salvation. We start at salvation. We give our heart to God. We begin to, God begins to work uh, in us, and we see an instant change most of the time in a lot of us. But our purity process, our growing process, just like for infants, doesn't stop at salvation. It's just the beginning place. So we believe and continue growing in our faith. And as we grow in our faith, we grow closer to God. How we grow closer to God is by becoming more and more closer to him, working for his kingdom, doing what he's asked us to do. Uh, It's that process of of growing in him. You know, you can't do anything to earn your salvation. But once you're saved, you're going to want to do things to help other people find salvation and help other people find salvation their way to the kingdom of God and grow in their faith. And so that's what this book is talking about from here. Um, And we're going to begin in verse 15. It says, work hard, or once it's study, or be diligent, work hard, so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly explains the word of truth. Life transformation should always follow your salvation transformation. Life transformation always should follow your, life, your salvation transformation. After I'm saved, there's going to be a life change in me. I'm going to begin to act different. I'm going to work different. I'm going to do things different. I'm going to talk different. And I'm not perfected at the beginning, so there's a process that goes on. In fact, you know, it's funny because you'll see some people get up from the altar and they'll say something that, you know, Maybe not a cuss word, but it's definitely not a church word we use. And you go, oh, yeah. It's a process. We're growing. We're, we're growing. We're coming. We're, we're talking. We, we haven't cleaned up our speech yet. You know, I, God's working on us physically, mentally, spiritually. It's a process we're growing through, but th- that process happens throughout our walk with Christ. We should never stop growing in our faith. In fact, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this, And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you is, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Too many people do, what, do this. They turn around and then they sit down. <laughs> they turn around in their life and they sit down. They don't do anything else. They don't grow and they just come. They sit on a pew each week and they think, well, I'm done it. I'm good. And that's where they end. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't, our, our experience doesn't stop. In fact, if, if the height of your salvation experience is coming and sitting on a pew each Sunday morning and listening to the worship team and listening to me and then going back and just living life and that's all you do, uh, there's something that happens. If, if you had an a infant or a child that stopped growing at some point and stopped developing, stopped maturing, stopped all these things, you would be concerned. And you would think, I've got to do something 
to help this child grow. You'd find out what's wrong. And for us, it's no difference. As believers, we're to continue growing in our faith, continue maturing, continue uh, exceeding, and, and it's a constant process. Healthy things grow. So if we're spiritually healthy, we're going to grow. Our desire for you is that you would continue to grow spiritually and you would continue to grow through your walk of faith by growing, not just sitting here every week listening to a little sermon and going out and saying, boy, that was, I did my job this week. Don't treat church like going to the gym. When I go, I feel good. When I don't, I feel bad, but I'll make it up later. You know, go and, and, and really grow, really sincere. That's why we think life groups are so important. That's why we think there's more to church than just attendance. That's why we think uh, serving with other people is so important. It's part of our growth with each other. In fact, we think we grow better together. That's why we said this year, life is better together. Our shirts are out there. Life is better together. Our whole year this year has been about bringing people back together because life is better together. We think that part of growing is getting together. So be a part of these groups. Be a part of young adults. Be a part of youth, children, uh, groups. Be a part of our uh, the, the gathering. Be a part of the middle ground. Be a part of, of the, the young at heart. Be a part of these groups so you can grow with one another. We were never meant to walk us through by ourselves. In fact, that's a sad, boring life. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, let's start midway there. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So it says this, uh, work hard to show the results of your salvation. If you've been saved, there should be something in you that's constantly moving forward, constantly working, that's showing the results of those salvation. If you've come to church, given your heart to God, and said, I am a Christ follower, and you go out and there is no change in you, there's a problem. If people can't see a difference in you and that you're growing and each week you're getting better, and listen, we don't expect perfection. I'm still a work in progress. So are you. You know, when people first, when, when, when our kids first start soccer, it's cute. Every kid at five years old is a great soccer player. You throw a ball out there, and they will run and chase that ball wherever it goes as a group. It's cute. It's adorable. But at some point, you expect them to grow. If, 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 our, if our seniors and juniors in high school are still all clumped together, following around the little ball, you're going to think, this is the worst team I've ever seen. They have never developed since five years old. The same thing is true with our faith. We grow with our faith by constantly growing, maturing, growing in our faith, becoming better, doing better, working better, serving better, leading other people better. We do all this stuff by growing our faith. In fact, one of the greatest things we could do, and one of my challenges that I would have for you as the, the new year comes when we start praying and fasting, because we always start with the year with a fast, because everybody loves fasting, um, one of the things that I challenge you to do is start reading the Bible through. I think it's so important to get in the Word of God and study it for yourself. We say that the Bible is our guidebook for living. We believe in Harrison faith. That's one of our core values. So growing in your faith, growing in who you are as a believer is so important. You can't just sit back and just pray that I get wiser, smarter, and do it. No, you've got to be able to fight the enemy. And so everything we put on, the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, are all defensive weapons. But the one offensive weapon you have is the Word of God. So if you put the Word of God in you when you don't need it, it'll be there when you do need it. So you may be at a good time and you may be saying, everything's fine, I'm not really worried about that. But let me tell you, that's the season to plant. 
That's the season to, to really build up your spirit because there's going to be a time, everybody says this, you're either in a storm, going through a storm, or coming out of a storm. So wherever you are, you better realize that another storm's on its way eventually. So put the Word of God in your life. Get strong in the Word in your life so that it'll be there because there's times when you're going through something, you don't have anything else but to call upon the Word of God. So you just start quoting Scripture in your head and in your heart. And you're going down and you're driving around and as you're driving around, you're quoting the Word of God. You're quoting the Word of God. And, and listen, I suggest when you're going through a hard time and, and, and you're going through certain situations, maybe don't read some, some things like Psalms where it says, you know, Lord, you're going to kill them and take off their head. Maybe that's not the wisest thing to do, but there is wisdom in the Word of God. Right? So serve, let it be in your heart. In fact, I want, I want my, the Word of God in my, my, my heart so that I might not sin against God. I want the Word of God in my life so it's an encouragement to me, so it, it lifts me up that whenever I, I'm down and out, I can say, you know, you have never forsaken me. You've never given up on me. You've never seen a seed begging bread. You've never, Lord, Lord I just, I believe it. I claim it, Lord. You have a plan for me. Lord, you're not, Lord, I know that this year is going to be better. Lord, it may not always feel it, but even when I'm, I'm weak, you make me strong. Because it's in my, my weakness that you work best. It's not in my strength. And as we get these things in our spirit, it begins to come out and overflow. You grow by getting in the word of God. Verse 16, it says, <laughs> Avoid worthless, foolish talk. Hmm. That only leads to more godless behavior. Man, don't you wish somebody that you work with was here to listen to this? <laughs> All your friends at work, they just like gossiping around the, the water cooler. Nobody has a water cooler anymore. COVID. <laughs> we bring our own water. Or our latte or whatever we have. I don't know. What, what is it, the, the idea? So avoid these things. Avoid these foolish conversations. Don't get caught up in stupid conversations, foolish arguments. Don't get caught up in these foolish conversations. It says, in fact, verse 17, this kind of talk spreads like a, or like cancer. As in the case of Hippias and Philetus, verse 18, they have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred, and in this way they have turned some people away from the faith. Don't get caught up in foolish talking. Don't get caught. It spreads like cancer. And isn't that the way it is? Bad conversations spread like a grass fire that just goes out of control, and good news spreads like a snail. That's why whenever you see that somebody messed up, it's front page news. When they realize they made a mistake, it's page 10. It's always this idea of spreading things. So we've got to be careful. Our, our words have power. They carry, they carry weight. The words that you speak carry weight. So what do you do with that? What do you do with that weight? You make sure that your, your words are wholesome. You make sure your words are, are, are speaking the truth. Because what happens when we, we, we speak what's on our mind, or we speak whatever we read out there that, 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 that's not gospel, all we do is spread more problems, and we lead people away from the faith, or we get their priority on something that has no eternal value. Let me challenge you this week. Let me challenge you from last week. What conversation have you been having with people on your job 
that have spread like a cancer, but when you realized you were wrong, it was too late to take it back. John 8.32 says this, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? What is the truth? It's, it's the lies and deception of the enemy. The enemy wants you to think God is out to get you. But the truth is, is God is out to rescue you. The enemy wants you to think God has got it in for you. But the truth is, is God is doing everything he can in his power to save you if you will just stop and reach your hand to him. Your salvation isn't going to come through your own will and strength. Your salvation isn't going to come through the, the, the best laid plans of man. It, your, your salvation isn't going to come from anything else but God. That's what it comes from. The word gives you the power to defeat the lies of the enemy that he whispers in your ear. And the enemy loves whispering in your ear. You ever been through a season like that? Every time you drive, you just think, what are they doing over there? What are they saying? <laughs> you just go through these seasons. The doctor tells you one thing, and you're like, he's keeping something from me. There's got to be worse. It's worse than what it is. He just doesn't want to do it. Or the doctor says you everything's fine, and, and you go home and thinking, my doctor's a quack. I need to find somebody else. The enemy loves to whisper in your ear. The enemy loves to tell you that things aren't going to work out. The enemy loves to defeat you. The enemy loves to destroy you. The enemy doesn't want you to know that Jesus is your healer, that he's your deliverer, that he's your provider. In verse 19 it goes on, it says, But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone, with his, in, with his inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Salvation is the starting line, not the finish line. Salvation is the starting line, not the finish line. We don't reach salvation and then we, 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 we've arrived. And that's the way we go through life. If, if, in fact... If we've got loved ones we've been praying for to get saved, and we think that, that, man, if we can just get them to the altar, that's a starting point. The church has done more harm by not realizing the full content of the, of the Great Commission than it has done good. And what I mean by that is the Great Commission is not go make converts. It's go make disciples. So if we think salvation is the pinnacle of everything, and then we leave them and say, you did it, you said the words, you believed, good luck. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It's like putting me in a forklift and saying, don't run into anything. I've never driven a forklift before, but let's go for it, let's try. <laughs> Brad's here, can I try one of yours, <laughs> the test? <laughs> no, of course not. Why? That'd be foolishness. I've got to grow. I've got to learn. I've got to get better. I need someone to come alongside, walk with me, teach me, and help me grow in my faith. That's why life groups are important. When our parents were growing up, it was just Sunday school. Now it's Sunday school that meets on other nights. You know, it's life groups. It's growing. It's discipleship. It's growing together, one another. In fact, I think it's great when you don't just do life groups here at church, but you start a life group at your, at your job. You do a Bible study. You get together. You say, hey, let's come in early. Let's do Bible study. Hey, at lunch, what do you guys think about doing like a, a short little devotion at lunch once a week or, or whatever? It's growing in your faith. It's, it's discipling one another. It's about growing and not just leaving it at one place. 
If all we do is get somebody to the altar and don't teach them how to walk in their faith, we have done more harm than good. Because what we find out is this. I came to church. I gave my heart to God. I tried church. It didn't work out. So why go again? And they walk away, hurt, abused, and they say, I've tried it. No, no, the church is different. No, I've already tried it. No, if you just give your heart to God. No, I've already tried it. It's about walking people through their faith. It's about growing them in their faith and teaching them to grow, serve, love, be there, and do the ministry themselves. It's so important. And I talk about life groups. We have other great programs. Awanas, Girls Ministries. We have youth life groups. We have a lot of great programs for this. It's a great opportunity to grow in your faith. We are called to live and spiritually grow up. We are called to live by faith and free from bondage and addiction from guilt. Verse 20, it says, In a wealthy or a great home, some utensils, or other verses say vessels, are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are all used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. I believe both of these utensils or vessels are, are, whether it be gold, silver, or wood and clay, represent believers. They all represent believers. The difference is, uh, is the quality of their purity, of their growth. This is not a reference to salvation or eternity. Everybody here is in the same house. They have the same owner. They all have the same owner, but they do not carry the same honor. So if you come week after week and you sit in a pew and you, you leave and say, man, we've done our due diligence and we, we're, we're good and you don't grow in your faith and you don't continue working on you don't have a private devotional time and you don't pray at home and you don't pray other places, then all you are is a clay wood pot. If you want to be a vessel of honor, you have got to grow in your faith and let, the, let God work out pure impurities in your life. That's why we say, search my heart, O oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Work those impurities out. Help me become more like you. Help me grow in my faith. Help me to be all that you want me to be. See, wood and clay pots still have a lot of carnal flesh attached to them, and they continue to control the believer as they're working through it. But gold and silver vessels are spirit-controlled. And there's something on the inside of them that's greater for their calling. We see the same analogy in 1 Corinthians, a reference to Judgment Day, when it says in chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, anyone who builds this foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewel, wood, hay, or straw. But on Judgment Day, fire, and fire always re represents the purifying process, will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. When you go through the fire on the day of judgment, or when you go through the fire of life, it really shows your character of who you really are. When you are put under the pressure of life, and life comes upon you, what comes out? When you're squeezed, and you feel the pressure, how you respond to that reveals who you really are, and not who you pretend to be. Let it seep in. Verse 21. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil or vessel for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. 
What are those works? John 14, verse 12 through 13 tells us this. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to with the Father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son of Man will, be glory, will bring glory to your Father. That same word in, in Timothy is the same one used here in John. It's the same Greek word. And, and so what is it? Jesus' ministry. It was to heal the sick, open blind eyes and deaf ears, cast out demons, raise the dead, preach the good news, and meet people's needs. This is what he did. So if you are growing your faith and you're, you're growing, becoming who you, you will be doing the work that he's called you to do. And that's what it is. We want to meet the needs of people, help them grow in their faith, help set them free from sicknesses and disease. We want to pray so that God can heal them, that God can use them, heal their emotional heartbreak. We want to see God grow them in their faith. This is what we've been called to do. So here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. How many of us are doing those works? In fact, we can get into a whole other thing, and I'm not, it's a different message, so I'm not going to dwell on it, but the Bible talks about these signs will follow them that believe. What signs are following us as believers? When we walk into a room or walk out of a room, do people know what we stand for? Do we make a difference where we've gone in? Do we make a difference when we come out with the people we've been around? Have we changed the lives around us, or do we leave it the same because there's nothing different in us than what's in them? Church has to be more than just emotional therapy for the soul. It has to be a place where we grow. God wants his power to flow through us. You are his vessel. God has commissioned us to carry the good news to the entire world. And that world starts in your tiny world, your job, your home. And then it spreads out to the city. And then it spreads out even more for the, to the state. And then to the, to, the, to, the, to the nation. And then to the uttermost parts of the world. That's what we've been called to do. Here, this is the key. Our works don't bring us closer to God. They bring God closer to the world. Think about it. Our works don't bring God closer to us. As we're doing God's work, it brings God to the world. Our effectiveness is determined by the kind of vessel we are. Our effectiveness is determined by who we are. It's the character of who we are. Do people... Do, do people believe you because of the life you've lived, because of what you stand for? Do, 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 do your words carry weight because of the integrity of the person saying it? Our personal purity determines the level that God can flow through us, that his spirit can flow through us. You are the pipeline for God's purpose. You are. When our lives are cluttered by the world and we get all this stuff, it hinders the flow of God in our lives. Whatever you're full of is going to come out. Again, when you're pushed, when you're feeling the pressure, what's inside you is going to come out. If you're feeling the pressure and you let a word fly out, and you're like, oh my goodness, where that came from? It was inside. Either through the things we've said before, the, the movies we've watched, or the people we're around, 
Some of us can't help that. that they're just who we work with. It's our job. And so you hear things all the time. It, it gets inside of you. It comes out. But also it's true as you start growing in your faith, you start doing life together. We start growing in life groups. We start serving together. We start having people over our house and fellowship with them. Then what comes out of us is the people that we're hanging around in. If you're studying the Word of God all the time, what happens? The Word of God overflows out of you. When something comes on, you're like, no, no, devil. Not today. If you've been listening to worship music, I don't know if you noticed, my wife has, has just been um, kind of been feeling a lot of different songs lately. She'll post about it. Why? It's getting in her spirit. That's the overflow. When she feels the circumstances of life, it overflows. When she feels the good things, it's the overflow. It's the overflow of what's inside of her. Should be the... <laughs> See, I can't tell good stories on my family, just for those who think I'm always giving them a hard time. Um, so let's talk about the purity process. In, in verse 22, he kind of spells it out for us. Number one, he run from anything that stimulates useful lust. Number one, run from the old life and habits. If you're going to live a purity life, the very first thing is you've got to run from the old man. Shift your focus from where you've been to where you're going. Get your mindset on where God wants you to be and not where you've been. When you focus on where you've been, it stirs up old lust, old habits, and it's hard to break them. So as you're growing in your faith, you refocus. I tell people all the time, sometimes you can't resist. We think just resist. It's hard to resist because when I'm resisting, you still have my attention. It's kind of like when I say, whatever you do, don't turn around and look at the back door right now. And it's like, I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. Oh my God, I hear something. What's going on? That government, I got to look, you know? <laughs> That's what happens. But if we could refocus and say, I'm not going to look at that. Instead, there's something greater going on. I'm going I'm to watch the worship team. I'm going to focus on the praise. I'm going to focus on, on what they're doing. Man, I love this song. This song and I, I allow myself to get refocused on all of a sudden what, what's trying to distract me no longer has my attention. Holiness and purity is not a list of don'ts, it's a list of do's. Do pray for the sick, do be generous, do follow the Holy Spirit, do be faithful, do be kind to others, do share the good news, do help your neighbor, do cast out demons, do give to the poor, do love the unlovable, do the works of Jesus. You won't have time for sin if you're doing all the do's you're supposed to be doing. You'll leave no room for anything else when you're focusing and doing the list of what you're supposed to be doing. He goes on and says, instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Number two, we pursue spiritual growth in becoming more like Jesus. So after you resist, after you run away, you've got to pursue Jesus. Have your life focused where it's supposed to be focused. Have your mind on what it's supposed to be to be on. Focus on those things that are good, lovely, those things that are, that, that are of God. Have those things. Our lives should be, uh, begin to look more like Jesus and less like the world when we focus on him. Spiritual maturity is when we are born again in the spirit and, and when that spirit dominates the decisions and directions of our life instead of our sinful nature. Romans 8 verse 5 and 6 says, those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that, are, that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature control your mind and it leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I want to have life and I want to have peace. I want to be controlled by the Spirit because I want life, 
and I want peace. That doesn't mean the enemy's not going to give you a hard time. That doesn't mean the enemy's not going to attack. What it means is even in the midst of troubles, you can have life, you can have peace. Psalms 23 tells us he's going to, what, set a table before our enemy. Sometimes you're going to have to, you're gonna, it doesn't take away the problem. It just gives you the confidence and peace to be able to go through it. Sin is defeated by feeding the spirit and starving the flesh. When we become full of this world, it leaves no room for God to operate. Then the last, ver- last part of verse 22 says, Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Number three, hang out with other believers. Come on, life is better. That's right. Life is better together. Life is better when we do life with one another. Life is better when we feed our spirit with other believers. Life is better when we encourage one another, bear one another's burdens, lift one another up. First, if, in fact, 1 Corinthians 15.33, the second part says, If bad company corrupts good character, then for me what that means is the opposite has to be true. Good company corrupts bad character. When I hang around good people, solid people, believers, it corrupts bad character. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Psalms 139, verse 23 through 24 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Here's what I want for you. Man, for the, for the students that are going back for school, for the teachers that are going back to school, I want you to strengthen yourself by becoming who God wants you to be. I want you to serve, grow, grow in your faith, become, work towards everything that God's calling you to work for. Be the man, the woman, be the person that God has called you to be and serve. For the rest of us, the same thing is no difference. If you've been stagnant and you've allowed yourself to kind of just come and just kind of ride the wave or whatever, now's the time. Now's the time to strengthen yourself, grow in your faith, and be what God has called you to be all along. It's time to stand up for our faith. It's time to grow in our faith. And so how do you start? Real easy. Start by joining a life group. Start by finding ways. Start with doing a devotion tomorrow morning. If you're just starting out, you don't have to do an hour. Start, do a 15, five-minute devotion. Start somewhere and grow from there. You know? When someone's been through something traumatic and they, they've been through a lot or surgery, we don't start them off with a bunch of heavy exercises. We start off with small. And then as they get stronger, we give them something more. And as they get stronger, we give them something more. And as they get stronger, we give them something more. Until they're fully capable and able to do all that God's called them to do or physically able to do. That's what you got to do. Start where you are and grow from there. Let God grow you, and as he grows you, he's going to grow your family, he's going to grow your your relationships, your friends around you, he's going to do things around you. God has got something in store for you if you will just begin to allow yourself to grow. I don't know how many has reached perfection in here, but I'm not one of them. Paul even said, as good as he did, wrote most of the New Testament, said, I'm the chief among all sinners. You think you sin, I've sinned worse. You think you've done bad, I've done worse. 
You think there's no coming back from where you are? <laughs> I killed Christians. Not me, Paul. We can grow from this. We can turn this around. It starts with a choice. And the choice for you today is to start growing. Pick up your Bible. Start reading it. Join a life group. Find ways to get connected. In fact, we have growth track. Go get involved in growth track. Learn where you can serve in the church. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come. And as they do, just reflect. If you want to come up here and pray, you can pray. If you want to pray in your seat, but they'll dismiss you in just a minute. But just take this time, this opportunity for God just to challenge you. And as he challenges you, I believe God's got something great in store for you.